0: All right. Welcome back to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. My name is Guy McPherson. Are you ready to become the best version of yourself? Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support, and it is 100% online you'll experience the all-new cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you You get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist prescriber or both in a safe and judgment-free space no more worrying about finding the right provider or scheduling appointments cerebral brings it all to you whenever and wherever you need it to get started on your path towards better mental health cerebral is giving you the trauma therapist podcast listeners off your first month of online therapy, medication, or both. Get started by going to Cerebral.com slash podcast and use the code The Trauma Therapist. That's Cerebral, C-E-R-E-B-R-A-L.com slash podcast, and don't forget to use the code The Trauma Therapist to get 15% off your first month. Make 2024 your best year yet. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Please see site for details. My mission is to raise awareness of trauma and to support and inspire new trauma therapists just starting out on the trauma-informed journey. I do that with my membership community, Trauma Therapist 2.0, my online courses and workshops, and the Trauma Therapist Newsletter. If you're a therapist of any kind and you work with individuals who've been impacted by trauma, I invite you to head on over to my website at thetraumatherapistproject.com. That's thetraumatherapistproject.com. All right, let's get started. All right uh raymond you ready to do this yes absolutely okay here we go so five four three two and one all right folks welcome back to the trauma therapist podcast very excited to have as my guest today raymond rodriguez raymond
1: welcome thank you for having me guy
0: You are very welcome. So Raymond is a clinical social worker with over 20 years of experience in clinical practice. He received his social work degree from Columbia University School of Social Work, where he now teaches as part of their adjunct faculty. His clinical interests include family therapy, trauma-informed care, immigration, anti-oppression, and LGBTQ empowerment. In the last 10 years, Raymond has specialized in trauma therapy, assisting clients with complex psychological trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder. He's certified in eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, as well as in sensory motor psychotherapy and has extensive training and practice in psychodynamic psychotherapy. Raymond is currently on faculty with the Sensory Motor Psychotherapy Institute. Raymond, welcome to the podcast.
1: I'm delighted to be here, Guy. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. <laughs> so before we get going here, uh, as I ask all my guests, where are you from originally and where are you now currently?
1: Absolutely. So I am originally from Puerto Rico. I was born and, and raised in the Caribbean island and I moved. Are you tired of spending countless hours buried under mountains of progress notes or
0: clinical notes? It's time to focus on what truly matters, which is providing exceptional care to your clients. Introducing Text Expander, your ultimate solution to help you streamline documentation and boost your productivity. I've been using Text Expander for years, and it's one of the tools I use every single day. If you're a therapist, if you're a coach, any content or text you use on a regular basis in your progress notes, for example, your name, address, or even longer forms, paragraphs of notes or sections of reports, you can create a shortcut for it. Text Expander automatically populates entire paragraphs of text, saving you valuable time and effort, and it allows you to get back to what truly matters. Your clients. Text Expander is offering the Trauma Therapist Podcast listeners 20% off when you go to Textexpander.com slash trauma. That's Textexpander.com slash
1: trauma. Here, uh, as an adult, to to go to college actually, and one thing led to the other, and I'm still here. I currently reside in uh, New York, uh, in Westchester, and practice in, in New York City.
0: Awesome, awesome. All right, Raymond. Well, I cut to the chase. How the heck did you get into this field? Let's do it.
1: Yes, yes. So for me, it was a bit of a of a winding road that brought me into counseling and eventually into trauma therapy. Uh, I went to social work school, believe it or not, to study policy, and I actually did that for, for some time postgraduate. Uh, and, uh, and, and it was a passion for me, it has always been working with people. Uh, but uh, during my graduate studies, I uh, discovered counseling and really fell in love with it. Uh, as you probably know, social workers have to do uh, what, what is called field placement. or working with people in, in direct practice. And so I started working with people and, uh, and I just loved it. I loved the, the, the counseling, the intimacy, being able to help people get to places that they have been wanting to, but haven't been able to. Uh, and so I started as a family therapist, that was sort of my first uh, sort of home and for about a decade, I did that and I still do and mm. hold kind of a systemic lens in everything I, I, I do. And then in the last decade or so, I became sort of more involved in the trauma field. And that's primarily what I do now.
0: When you, you said when you initially got into social work, it was a study policy, Yes. Yeah.
1: Social work policy. Yeah.
0: What is that? Mm-hmm.
1: Right, so social workers, as you know, work in the in different settings. Uh, uh, you know, like you have school social workers, but you also have social workers like in uh, uh, in, in government agencies and non profit. And so, I had originally envisioned a career in what is called social work policy, or working mm-hmm. with government uh, in things like child welfare or homelessness services, or Uh, youth services that that's sort of what my original aim was right and again i did that for for some time but always maintaining a Mm -hmm. a clinical private practice on the side and eventually decided that i wanted to do that full time
0: when you Mm -hmm. were younger what was or when you were in school and thinking about going to college what was the idea what was the pull for you
1: Yes, yes. So, you know, that's also a fascinating story. I remember when I was in, in, in high school, a very dear professor, well, teacher of mine uh, in high school said, Raymond, you need to work with people because you're very good with people. And at that time, I didn't quite know what he meant. I just kind of took it in and uh, then went to college and actually studied uh, environmental policy, you know, sort of always an interest in, in policy. Uh, but as I uh, sort of worked in different settings, I really began to understand what that teacher said to me very early on, that you need to work with people. And that's what kept pulling me back into uh, uh, working in settings where I was doing more direct practice and eventually in into counseling.
0: Well, I I can see what that teacher saw. And I mean, you have an incredible, (laughs) seriously, Raymond, you have an incredible presence about you that is so like warm and allowing it's 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 really Mm. incredible so thank you
1: i i have heard that before (laughs) yeah well it's 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 no
0: joke i mean it's funny because i remember when i was in um uh i went back to get my fulfill my undergrad to go to graduate school i wanted to become a physician Mm. and i was going through the pre-med stop and it just was not my wow. strong suit, I was not doing well at all. And someone said to me, Guy, you know what? I'm gonna say something to you, and I don't know how you're gonna handle this, but I don't think you should be doing this. I think you should be working with people. I thought the guy was on crack. I was like, <laughs> but anyway, look, so w- when you started learning about trauma, yeah, what happened for you? What were wow. you
1: thinking? <laughs> and so Absolutely. Forth. Yeah, so that's another interesting story. Um I, as I said earlier, I uh, was a family therapist and I really loved that, uh, uh, that work, meeting families, working with children, working with couples. And I really felt that I was quite successful at it, doing you know, what seemed to me uh, like very good practice and, and the feedback from clients was that they, they were really uh, feeling better, feeling helped, et cetera. But I always felt that something was missing. That there were certain things that people were bringing up that I didn't quite know how to how to work with, how to how to address. And I'm particularly reminded of this one uh, a female uh, individual client that I that I work with, uh, who experienced a lot of anxiety and panic attacks. And I remember feeling. Uh, ill-equipped in really working with her like I was using more talk therapy and uh, all the maps that I had learned in in graduate school and in family therapy didn't feel sufficient to me and in fact I vividly uh, remember in my office we're having uh, a a panic attack once and I was trying to engage with her and and help her through dialogue through talking and that wasn't really doing doing much and so From there, I remember attending a workshop with Janina Fisher, who's become a mentor of of mine, many of your uh, listeners may, may know of Janina's work, and she said something that really stuck out with me. She said, you know, that trauma people oftentimes don't have memories, they have symptoms. Mm-hmm. And I began to see, oh, my God, all my people are having symptoms. And if you think of panic attacks, is a symptom of something that's happening deeper. And so that was sort of my first introduction to, to the trauma field. And slowly but surely, I began to read more, attend more workshops and realize, God, there's something important here to, to be learned where you know talk therapy is limited, it doesn't address sort of deeper issues that uh, that may be had, and that we have these new modalities that are better uh, able to address those those deeper experiences, trauma that people may not have uh, readily access to. Through cognitive memory, because it, as we know, trauma is stored more in implicit memory, and so that's what really pulled me into the 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 trauma field. And the more that I learned, the more that I had a language, the more that I learned different maps in in in, in addressing complex trauma and bringing that into my office. I really saw people excel in ways that I had not mm-hmm. been able to experience before, and so eventually, I kind of. Fully transition into that kind of work.
0: When yeah. you uh, first mm-hmm. learned about that, when you met Gina, were you still in school or were you out of school and practicing?
1: Yeah, I was I was practicing then, okay. fully practicing in a in a community mental health setting. Uh, you know, seeing a number of clients with different presentations. And I also had a, uh, a private practice on the side as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, you know, I had a bit of Liberty in what kinds of modalities I wanted to use. And at that point, I was using more in the maps of family therapy and psychodynamic psychotherapy.
0: When, when you first when you when you started learning about trauma, and and mm-hmm. even studying trauma, was that something that you moved towards easily? Or was it something that you were like, oh, my God, this is very intense? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so a little bit of both. That's another yeah. great, great question, Guy. Because um, it's a, I find it uh, uh, the understanding of trauma to be somewhat different than what is traditionally taught in graduate school. Or also in in other modalities. So it took me a while to really make sense of these different maps and to integrate them more fully. But one thing that I was able to do relatively easily was integrate specific pieces, like, for instance, uh, the understanding of the body. I learned that very early on in in my trauma training and began to look at people's bodies in ways that I had not seen before. Like, you know, the way that I had been trained was kind of looking at facial expressions and really addressing feelings and and cognition. And suddenly I began to learn almost om- oh my God, there, there's a body in front of me that I have not paid attention to. And that's when I began to look at implicit memory on how the body is holding that implicit memory. So for instance, you know, clients that are that are depressed, oftentimes uh, their bodies present as, as being more collapsed, or uh, their their heads are hanging, or their shoulders are drooping, or they're looking down. And that is a very specific presentation that we now understand as, Hypoarousal, right? Or when the person is in an anxious state, right? Their their the the tempo of of, of their voice, their prosody is is faster. Oftentimes they're looking up, right, and they're, they're they feel more elevated, right. So we understand that now as hyperarousal states, right. So I began to make sense of some of the things that I was seeing in my clients' bodies and. Uh, making sense of that and integrating very specific skills that anyone can can learn to address some of those presentations, and I began to see changes. And that's truly what sort of began to uh, help me get more involved in the in the trauma field. Yeah.
0: And at what point did you? Uh, currently, you're you're on staff with Sensory Motor SPI Sensory Motor Psychotherapy. Yeah. At what point did you uh, start studying? sensory motor
1: work. Right, so that was also uh, a little over a decade ago. Uh, and uh, because I love Janina's work, she was one of the first persons that I, that I learned uh, trauma therapy from. And, and, and Janina Fisher is also on the faculty of the Sensory Motor Psychotherapy Institute. And sort of in getting to know her uh, a little bit more at different workshops, uh and because she speaks often of sensory motor psychotherapy i said you 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 know what that's something that i want to study and that's what truly kind of made me take that leap and 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 began studies in sensory motor uh and then that led to my being invited to be part of the of 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 their faculty after completion of their certification process that's
0: awesome that's exciting so let me ask you something Mm -hmm. i don't usually do this but i want to put you on the spot here. Can you perhaps uh, share a little more detail into, uh, you know, how you worked with a particular client before you studied or SPI work, and maybe how you worked with a particular client
1: afterwards? Absolutely. So
0: what that might um, look like?
1: Ah, Sure, certainly. So when I was more uh, uh, practicing from a family therapy uh, uh, modality, I was looking more at things like, let's say, genograms, right? I would sit with uh, with a family and understand family dynamics, family relationships, uh, multi-generational issues, and how they were showing up. Uh, parenting concerns uh, and so then my therapy was geared towards helping people engage in different ways of of, of relating with one another mm-hmm. uh, with a certain am- amount of behavioral interventions that as well, and help, helping people make sense and gain insight into the kinds of things that they were doing that were problematic, or fostering uh, conflict within relationships. So that was kind of a primary map that I that I that I that I had. So I would employ and deploy a lot of talk therapy around that, mm-hmm. sort of more insight oriented, in you know those aha moments in making connections in how you know my parents related to me and how I'm sort of reenacting that way. with with my children or with my spouse let's say right Mm -hmm. and then attempting strategies to to shift that Uh, and so that's sort of a sort of a broad stroke in, in 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 how I practice however the way that I practice now is 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 much different and so what I'm looking for now is how do those conflicts exist within perhaps a larger context of something that happened to you Mm-hmm. right so whatever conflict that you're having this uh, ha- having let's say with your spouse or with our coworker, or with a conflict is it embedded within a larger narrative of trauma of something that happened in your life perhaps uh, uh not something that i can consciously remember but that the body remembers and so for instance if someone uh like i can recall you know a client that I am working with right now, who's having a tremendous amount of conflict. Uh, this is a male identified client in a heter- heterosexual uh, uh, marriage. And he's having a lot of conflict with his wife and I, and I meet with him individually. Mm-hmm. And so one of the places that, that we've landed is that the ways that he's relating with his wife are very similar to the ways that he related to his mother. Uh, He had a very overpowering mother, a very authoritarian mother, where he felt that he needed to shrink, to be small, to deny certain aspects of of himself. And by the way, none of this came out of sort of a cognitive understanding of it, but it came out through the the trauma processing. We just began to, with him, identify this conflict with his wife, and uh, from a sensory motor psychotherapy standpoint and a trauma in 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 form, uh, we began to look at how his body, what happens to his body at the moment that he's having conflict with with his wife, And what we noticed is that uh, he was going into a aroused state, into a collapsed state. And we began to work with that collapsed state. And we discovered that it was a form of reenactment of something that he had experienced from very early on in in his life, in his relationship with, with his mother. And in processing that he's been able to have a very different relationship with his wife in the present
0: interesting thing i appreciate you sharing that and um perhaps not a place that either of you could have arrived at using a genogram or or whatever which yes. isn't to dismiss that
1: that absolutely at all, but... and and I have to say that I also continue to utilize those sure. maps and very often uh uh engage in 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 doing genograms with clients, etc. So I don't want to dismiss that or or speak negatively of those maps, but rather that they felt to me limited that mm-hmm. what the uh uh, at sort of trauma therapy or trauma informed therapy, and a deep understanding of neurobiology and implicit memory, and and the body has put enhanced the way that I that I, I, I conduct therapy now.
0: When you, as as someone who is on staff with the Sensory Motor Psychotherapy Institute, what do you notice about students who are just coming to mm-hmm. The work to trauma-informed education.
1: Yes, yes. So, oftentimes it's a complete re- reorientation. You know, particularly uh, students that have been trained in more talk therapy models, uh, it, it is quite a bit, uh, quite a bit of learning that mm-hmm. they have to do. Uh, it's a bit of sort of switching gears and orienting into something completely different, say, like the body, right? Like they've never had a language or they even know how to uh, uh, conceptualize from a body-based psychotherapy. We often call it a bottom-up approach as opposed to a top-down approach. So it takes some time. With what I Uh, describe as sort of newer therapists or or people that are coming more recently out of graduate schools or uh, uh, the doctoral studies right it might be more easier to integrate because they haven't had the you know what we now call procedural memory Mm -hmm. or or, or around certain ways of working with people so it may take some time Uh, I to be honest sensory motor can 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 take quite quite a bit of practice for it to become more uh, part of you, more embodied. Uh, But I do say that it's a phenomenal way of working. And I find it quite transformative Mm -hmm. for myself and also for clients.
0: Say more about that. What do you mean by that, transformative?
1: So I have a wonderful anecdote about that. Um, You know, before endeavoring in uh, studying sensory motor psychotherapy, Uh, a supervisor of mine at the time, I am also certified in in EMDR. And this was an EMDR uh, supervisor that had also studied another somatic modality, somatic psychotherapy modality. And when I asked him, uh, you know, I am thinking of doing sensory motor. What do you think? And he said to me, and I'll never forget. He said to me, Raymond, do it for you. Mm -hmm. Your life will change. And I, you know, it took me back and I said like, what for me? What? what I want to do this for for my clients, and and he said, "No, you'll you'll see, you you will transform." Mm-hmm. And sure enough, that that has been my my experience because um, something shifts when we're able to be more with our bodies, with ourselves, when we have a deeper understanding, a deeper awareness. Of our internal experience, what in sensory motor we call the organization of our internal experience and the parallel process that we are in when we're working with clients. And so um, that has been transformative for me in my personal relationships and in my personal life. And I often joke that I am a much happier therapist now <laughs> than I was before. Um, I, I often say that, you know, if I am to summarize what uh, my goal in therapy is with clients is to help people expand their window of tolerance or the window of, of resiliency, and I hope that your listeners know what that means. Uh, and so as a sensory motor psychotherapy therapist, I feel that my window has expanded, that I have a much greater capacity, not not only for the kinds of things that clients bring me, uh, but also for things that happen in In my own life, that I have a greater capacity to navigate the difficulties. Uh, Like, for instance, Guy, as I'm sure you know, there's a lot of conflict happening all all around us, you know, just. just a few days ago, there was this huge massacre that, uh, that happened in upstate New York that you know, has been really difficult for me as a person of color and working with a lot of people of color. And so I've used uh, the skills that I also bring into my practice with clients in order to help myself in order to help me come to a place of, of regulations so that I can be more effective in not only managing sort of what's happening all, all around us, but being more effective in engaging in, 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 in actions that can lead to greater uh, uh, support for uh uh, organizations, etc., that are addressing these these larger conflicts. If you would
0: mind sh- sharing specifically, what what are you talking about when you uh-huh. talk about those skills and so forth?
1: Sure. So, in sensory motor psych- psychotherapy, and I would say that in trauma therapy in in general, um, most of us uh, subscribe to you know a phase oriented treatment, right? In which phase one is uh, stabilization and what we call resourcing, and there's a number. Of, of skills that are incredibly supportive for clients and for us therapists as, as well around resources. So in sensory motor psychotherapy, we also utilize face-oriented treatment and we engage the body in resourcing, right? So these are things for, for example, when I feel dysregulated, right? I can bring my feet on the ground and press the ground very gently and begin to feel a sense of groundedness and connect to the ground beneath me through through my feet. Or we can use the spine and I can lengthen the spine and roll my shoulders back. And something shifts when when we do that. Yeah, or feel the chair or the couch underneath me and allow my body to sink in and take in the support from this couch or, or this chair underneath me, where another favorite of mine is what we call orienting technique. And all animals do this, right? When, when we go to a new place, we orient, which means that we look around. Because when we're oriented to our surroundings, right, we often experience a settling, right? Mm -hmm. That can be resourcing if we use it uh, deliberately. So I find myself these days orienting a lot, taking a moment, let's say, in between sessions or at the end of the day or at the beginning of, of my day and mindfully looking around me and connecting, contacting things that bring me joy, that bring me pleasure and really allowing my body to take that in and to settle into those resources. So all those, and I said, and I went very fast through them, but all those are very uh, important uh, resources and techniques from a Mm -hmm. uh, body-centered approach.
0: Awesome, awesome. I appreciate you saying that. As we kind of wind down here, I want to ask you something. You know, Mm -hmm. when we first started talking, you shared that initially got into social work to study policy, but then you kind of moved into working with people. When you started working with 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 people. Can you describe your your the arc of your intention? When you first started to where it is now? Was there? Mm -hmm. Did you start working with people for a specific reason? And has that shifted? Has that morphed? What, what, What does that look like?
1: Sure a uh, great question. So I think you know uh, and I see this in my in, in my students uh, uh, at the graduate school level that you know most of us come into this field with a bit of a cavalier sort of sense that you know I'm gonna change the world right and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm really gonna help people right and there's an implicit sense that I'm gonna do something, that I'm gonna change something <laughs> right that I'm gonna impact somebody And though I still hold, some uh, some of that, but I hold it much more lightly now. I, I trust now in the wisdom of the body that there is inherent in all of us. And by the way, you see this in all trauma processing modalities. They have this in trauma, you see it in EMDR, in IFS, in ADP, in sensory motor, somatic Experiencing. Those are my sort of my favorite modalities um, that we believe strongly that there's something inherent in every human being uh, that, If we just put connect with it, change will naturally happen. So it's less of my doing, and certainly skills are are important. Like I don't want to dismiss that, but it's more about allowing. It's about trusting the process. It's more about mindfully being in the presence of whatever is coming up and removing whatever obstacle it is. It's, It's there for that wisdom to flourish. There is an orientation I strongly believe in all in 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 all of us towards health, towards well well being, and so I see my role now as creating the conditions that will allow a person's uh, self with a capital S using sort of I IFS language to just emerge and 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 thrive. So it less it it's less of a doing and more of an allowing.
0: Mm-hmm. You know I I talked about this incredible presence you have early on. Oh, was you. did you? Was that something that was just always there? I mean, obviously, that <laughs> that that teacher saw it. But did mm-hmm. you walk into this work, owning that? Did you have to cultivate that or allow that to come through? Mm-hmm. What was that process like for you?
1: You know, I think a little bit of both. You know, one one thing that I don't know if 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 it was in my bio, Uh, but it's also that I am an interfaith minister, and spirituality has always been very important to me. I I grew up in a very religious family, and though I don't consider myself religious at the moment, I still hold a very strong spiritual foundation, and so that piece has always been there, and one of the pieces that I also find very valuable uh, in all trauma therapy modalities is that they're inherently spiritual, and so when you ask, you know, if if this way of being has always been here, I think some element of it is, has, has always been there, but certainly learning more about trauma therapy and the body has but enhanced that. Mm-hmm. It, it has an, an enhanced an ability, a quality of presence, I call it. One of the uh, 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 models that I, that I live by and that I hold very dear to my heart is is a quote by Maya Angelou, you know, you. Uh, uh, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel, mm-hmm. and that's a quote that I learned very early on, I I think, you know, in, in college, and it really resonated with me, and it's one that I keep very dear to me, and I aim to uh, also, you know, sort of bring that forward. I also want to say that I come from very humble beginnings, you know, I, I, I come from a very working class family that, that struggled a lot financially. And so I, I have a particular appreciation for people in general. And so I, I aim uh, throughout my life, personal and professional, to connect with people in ways that they haven't always felt. Like, for instance, I go to the supermarket and I always make a point of looking at the cashier or the retail person in the eye and greeting them, uh, as if I greeted, you know—sort of the president or the organization, right? Like I, uh, it's just put an orientation that I that I have that draws from my spirituality and that has been more in, enhanced in the in in my learning of trauma therapy.
0: Wow. Well, as you as you were quoting that uh, Maya Angelou. Yeah. Uh, quote you've made me feel incredible. I mean you are one really incredible person your 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 presence just resonates and I'm so excited for listeners to hear this um mm-hmm. Raymond, how can people get in contact with you because I know people are going to
1: want to reach out to you. Oh, well, thank you. Um, so my, my website is, is the easiest way, and, and there's a way there that uh, that people can email me. Okay. My website is RaymondRodriguez.com. Uh, R-A-Y-M-O-N-D-R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z.com. And that's also my email, RaymondRodriguez at me ecom Okay. both of those
0: listed up here at the show notes page at the traumatherapistpodcast.com raymond i've got to have you back at a later date (laughs) um just loved uh Mm. talking to you and uh yeah you're you're just you're incredible thank
1: you so much oh well it's been a pleasure being with you guy and thank you for your service as well and bringing this to the community i appreciate appreciate being here and welcome coming back yeah all
0: right have a great day bye-bye
1: take good care
0: of yourself. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. And if you'd like to join the hundreds of other therapists who are each month keeping up to date and informed and inspired about what's going on in the world of trauma, I'd love to invite you to head on over to the Trauma Therapist Newsletter. That's the traumatherapistnewsletter.com.